train yourself to exclusively nose breathe, even during exercise, because you will see a dramatic increase in your performance. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, formerly known as Improv is No Joke, where it's all about believing that strong communication skills are the best way in delivering your technical accounting knowledge and growing your business. An effective way of building stronger communication skills is by embracing the principles of applied improvisation. Your host is Peter Margarita, CPA, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant, and he will interview financial professionals and business leaders to find their secret in building stronger relationships with their clients, customers, associates, and peers, all the while growing their businesses. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 40, and my guest today is Tara Clancy, who's a speaker, author, and a sleep expert. Her upcoming book, Is Your Sleep Making You Tired?, will be available on Amazon in the spring of 2020. Tara's also a member of the National Speakers Association and currently serves as the president of the Connecticut chapter. This episode is a must-listen to all CPAs and accountants who work in public accounting and in business and industry because of the upcoming increase in our demands as we enter 2020. Tara has a lot of great tips and advice for us to think about during our day as it relates to our daytime and our nighttime breathing in order to get a good night's sleep. She discusses the long-term ramifications of nighttime breathing issues and the effects it has on our bodies and on our brains. As you'll hear during our conversation, Tara has guides, articles, and quizzes for you and your family to read and to take. You can find these resources on her website at o2, the number two, o2tara.org. Go visit her website and read her guides, articles, and take a quiz to see if you need to take additional steps to eliminate your nighttime breathing issues. I took one of these quizzes and it appears that I have some nighttime breathing issues that I need to address. Now, she does have an interesting article titled Sleep Apnea Victim, The Wicked Witch of the West, which is an interesting article seeing that the movie The Wizard of Oz is playing during the upcoming holiday season. Tara talks about how you can tell that the Wicked Witch of the West had nighttime breathing issues based upon the shape of her face. Before we get to the interview, Change Your Mindset is part of the C-Suite Family Radio of Podcasts. It's an honor and a privilege to be among some of the more prevalent business podcasts, such as The Hero Factor with Jeffrey Hazlett, Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken, and Keep Leading with Eddie Turner. You can find Change Your Mindset and many other outstanding business podcasts on C-Suite Radio by going to www.c-suiteradio.com. And you can find this podcast now on iHeartRadio. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. And now a word about the upcoming Santa Speedo Dash here in Central Ohio. Hey, Anthony, what's with the bells? Hey, Kathy, I'm putting my outfit together for the Santa Speedo Dash. Love the red leggings, too. So you're going to run in the Santa Speedo Dash on Saturday, December 14th to support Camp Amway? You betcha. Will you be there? Of course. It's the only day each year I'm allowed to wear a bathing suit to work. Help us give kids with diabetes the experience of a lifetime. Proceeds from the Santa Speedo Dash support Camp Hamley. Register or donate today at www.santaspeedodash.org. 
And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a high-content and engaging speaker for your next conference? Do you want to deliver a story to stakeholders that will transform data dumping to engaging business conversations? Do you want to feel that the value a speaker provides your audience far exceeds the dollar value on their invoice? Then book Peter for your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Contact Peter at peter at petermargaritas.com and visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com. By the way, one of his Fortune 50 clients actually made the comment about the value he brings to your audience. Now, let's get to the interview with Tara Clancy. Oh, excuse me. Welcome back, everybody. I, I apologize. I um, I didn't get home till late last night from a speaking engagement, and I, I, I didn't... Oh. I'm sorry, I didn't get enough sleep. Uh, and seriously, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. But luckily, my guest today, Tara Clancy, is a sleep expert, and she is going to talk to us about how to get better sleep, how to get the right sleep, how sleep is important in our daily lives. And and if you think you can sleep when you're dead, because I say that all the time, I can sleep when I'm dead. I think after listening to this episode, I already might be dead. So first and foremost, Tara, thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to keep me awake and our audience awake as well. Thank you very much, Peter. I'm excited to be talking with you today. So how did you become the sleep expert? Well, you know how sometimes we uh, have uh, happy accidents? It turns out I, I realized that I had been um, dealing with a sleep problem for my whole life. And it was one of those, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me moments. And then it was also one of those, oh, my God, I'm so happy to get this information right now. Sort of, I, I, had, I had a succession of trouble my whole life. There was always some new little thing that I was dealing with that just was either, you know, like a little health problem, had sinus infections. And then next thing I had asthma and then I had skin problems and then it was gut issues. And it was just this building of um, things that were kind of taking away my health and wellness. And and then after, um, just by chance, I find out that it's a, it's actually all related to a nighttime breathing problem. And so it's like, whoa, you know, not breathing at, at night, that's pretty substantial. And then, but then the flip side of it was like, well, wow, if, if I, if that is the case, then maybe there is one problem here and not this multitude of little problems. And if it's one problem, maybe I can actually really solve it. And that, um, and that is really how I got to, to here today. I, I'm a breathing specialist. And so I was able to combine that work uh, with a few other things to help me really get to the point of having the right kind of sleep. Now you have some. You have medical in your background, so it wasn't like you were an engineer and went, "Okay, wait, I you know, I can go down this path." I mean, you you do have that that in your background, right? Well, so I'm actually uh, an educator. I'm a certified educator and diagnostician, um, and the reason I got the um, the breathing specialty is for my own uh, was for my own health originally to manage the asthma so it was just sort of by chance that I got went and got this training for it and I honestly Peter never connected the dots between the daytime breathing problems that I was having and the fact that I was just 
waking up exhausted all the time and feeling exhausted. And like I said, having this succession of small problems come my way. But what I realized is, is that it really is all about connecting the dots. And, you know, I I love the the title of your podcast is Change Your Mindset, because I think what happens is um, we we have busy lives, right? We're all, you know, Mm -hmm. we're working, we're developing our careers, we have unbelievable responsibilities coming our way and and sometimes ridiculous deadlines at work at different times of the year. And so we get in these habits and we feel less than we should, but we just chalk it up to, to the demands of life. And really, if we can change our mindsets and say, you know what, it's not just that we're busy trying to live our lives, but to say, maybe there's something else driving all of this. That's when you can really start to get a better, to start to feel better. If you start to look at it in, in a new way and start to say, maybe there's something else going on here. Maybe it's my sleep. So how how would I assess that it's my it's my sleep that might be getting in the way because I might be getting uh, you know I'm getting seven to eight hours of sleep at night that should be suffice and, and you mentioned about daytime breathing how do I know if my breathing I'm 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 still alive I'm still walking so I must be breathing fine but apparently I, I, I'm not so what kind of hit tips and hints that you can give my audience to, to on these sides that you maybe need to look a little bit deeper. Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned the, the idea of getting seven to eight hours of sleep of night at night and feeling like, okay, I can check sleep off the list because you know we're all aware of sleep hygiene now uh, largely. And we say, as long as I'm getting the right amount, then I'm, I'm good. But I was getting eight hours of sleep of night and I was still waking up feeling tired, uh, having to reach for that cup of coffee uh, to get the caffeine. I was needing, I see you reaching for your cup of coffee. <laughs> um, I, I was needed a nap. I was the queen of the power nap, you know, I uh, thought <laughs> as long as I had that, I was good for the rest of the afternoon. And then quite frankly, my adrenaline need kept increasing to the point that I, I took up rock climbing and needed the adrenaline of rock climbing to get going. And what I realized in hindsight is that so many of us, when is it? Somewhere in our 30s and in early 40s, how many people do you know that have are training for a triathlon? Or how many people have just finished their first tough mutter? You know, why are we doing these sort of extreme sports? It really, if we step and look, um, step back and look at it, in many cases, it's because we are really seeking the adrenaline that we need to keep us going because we're not getting the sleep at night. So any of those kinds of things could be a sort of red flag to say, hmm, let me look and see if maybe my sleep is not um, doing what it's supposed to be doing for me. Uh, other things would include waking up in the middle of the night. Sometimes, uh, especially if you think about uh, for your audience, uh, maybe the beginning of the year would be a particularly stressful time because they have so many increased demands um, for them. So let's say they they fall asleep and then they wake up at two o'clock in the morning and they're laying, their mind is racing. Okay, what do I have for, for corporate tomorrow? What do I have for this account? What do I need to get done? That waking up in the middle of the night, that's another type of insomnia. And that is actually, uh, research shows that that is often correlated with a nighttime breathing problem. Because basically what happens is your body knows that the brain is not getting a sufficient amount of oxygen when you're sleeping. And so it wakes you up and basically saying, hey, that sleep thing you were just doing was dangerous. Don't do that again. And that's why you wake up and then cannot fall asleep. 
So those are other signs too. Or if you wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, that's another sign as well, because uh, your brain has to do its, its repairs at night and it goes into a really deep phase to do that. When it does that, it sends out a chemical to the uh, bladder to say, hey, you know, we're not open for business. Don't send me a signal that you're full. So if you are indeed in what we call like the deep, deep sleep, that chemical gets sent out and you, you, you will not signal, um, you know, you will not get the signal that you need to go to sleep. If you are getting that signal and you are having to get up to go to sleep, to, excuse me, to go to the bathroom, that means you're not getting into that deep phase of sleep where your brain can do its repairs. Well, check those two on my boxes because, yes, I do wake up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning times going, God, my head's full. Like I get this stuff done. And um, yes, I do get up a lot of times in the middle of the night to go to the restroom and come back. To but in my case, when I wake up uh, and I have, I have uh, two dogs that tend to wake me up around 5 o'clock in the morning because they're hungry, mm-hmm. I can't go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. I, I, once I wake up, I'm, my motor my motor starts. Right. Well, to go to shift to the breathing side of things, there is a, a breathing exercise that you can do that helps your body get out of the fight or flight um, mode because that's when you've woken up. Um, when you haven't gotten enough sleep and you wake up, you're usually more in that fight or flight nervous system mode. So there's a breathing exercise. I actually have it available um, on a download as a download on my website. But this breathing exercise can help you go from fight or flight nervous system into rest or digest nervous system. In fact, I recommend doing this breathing exercise before you even go to sleep because it gets you into that rest or digest nervous system and it gives you the best chance of having a, a really restful night of sleep you know to to get to where you want to be so you said that this is a download on your website could you give the audience the the uh, url for your website it's o2tara.org slash talk and that has a download that will tell you some of the um, common signs that you see because believe it or not peter your facial shape is even a huge determinant in whether you're going to sleep well at night, uh, that's a really involved conversation that we um, would have. We would need a much longer program to get into that. But there is information about that in the download for people that are wondering. And it also has the breathing exercise, that I, as I mentioned, and it has a couple of diagnostic tools from some of the medical professionals that I work with. So it could really give people um, a good sense of whether or not they may be showing the signs of a nighttime breathing problem. Okay, so before we started recording, we were talking and this episode is being uh, uh, broadcast on October 28th, just before Halloween. And you said that you recently wrote an article about the Wicked Witch of the West. And, yes. And she had some breathing issues. So could you share that with everybody? Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> because what I'm trying to do is help people see that the, these non-medical signs of a nighttime breathing problem And the Wicked Witch of the West, the actress who played her, her name was Margaret Hamilton. If you look at her face, you can see all the signs of someone with a nighttime breathing problem. And it's it's right on 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 my website. Um, It walks you through the different signs. And the thing is, when you look at it, she, she has passed away. But if you look at how she died, it says that she had a heart attack in her sleep. Um, And so at first... At first glance, you think, you know, maybe that's not a bad way to go. Yeah. 
But then you realize she had actually developed Alzheimer's disease years before. And we know now that um, Alzheimer's disease and uh, nighttime breathing problems go hand in hand. We used to think of it as people with Alzheimer's disease and other, other cognitive impairments develop um, sleep apnea. But we, now all the research is really bearing out that it's the reverse, that you have the nighttime breathing problems and then you end up developing the cognitive impairment and the Alzheimer's disease. So when I'm doing a talk, Peter, inevitably at, at this point, somebody will say, why? Why is that? And here's the reason, because at night, when you get into that deep phase of sleep that we were talking about before, your brain literally shrinks down in size. And um, the reason it shrinks down in, in size is so that it can be flushed out. There's this cerebrospinal fluid that literally flush, flushes out every nook and cranny in your brain. And so if you're not getting into that deep phase of sleep, you never get those repairs. You know, you never get that housekeeping done. And what is the basis of cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's disease? The little plaques, the proteins that build up there. And so we, if you don't get that deep phase of sleep where your brain can get flushed out, you end up developing, you set the stage for developing cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's disease later on. Uh, well, if you could see my face right now, it's just, oh my God, or, or holy God, never, that's, so if somebody, I have a friend uh, who was diagnosed with, I, I guess, like a sleep apnea, mm -hmm. and he had the uh, CPAP, am I, am I using the right words? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. And he, he told me, he goes, you know, I never realized how poor sleep I was getting until I wore my CPAP machine and I got the best night of sleep I've ever had. Yeah, that's, that's a very common sentiment. You don't realize how worn down you've gotten because it's been such a slow process. You know, our bodies are masterful at compensating, but at some point you're going to have to pay the piper. So years and years and years go by and you... You, eventually your body can't compensate anymore. And it, it really gets at the idea, you know, you mentioned sleep apnea. Let's just talk a, a little bit more broadly about that. So when I talk about what they call in the literature, sleep disordered breathing, I call it nighttime breathing problems because that's a, you know, a much more non-medical user-friendly name. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? You're having problems breathing at night, right? And sleep apnea would be the king of that nighttime breathing problem range because you actually stop breathing for a certain amount of time, certain number of um, times an hour, and then you get that diagnosis of sleep apnea. But there are other, you know, lesser forms of nighttime breathing problems that still are highly problematic. So there's something called upper airway resistance syndrome. Even basic snoring is a problem because you are you have a, dis, a disruption in airflow to the brain. And what's the one thing your brain needs to continue functioning? Oxygen, Oxygen. right? And so right. as soon as you have that disruption, you are stressing your brain in a way that you don't want it to be stressed. And the um, the problems that you end up seeing that that we don't we have we haven't effectively connected the dots for the general public yet. But if you if you snore and you um, ultimately, we know now that anybody who snores will at some point down the line end up with sleep apnea. So okay. 
what I would like to do is say, how about if we get this awareness now, if you are snoring or if you're just waking up and you're feeling tired, look at sleep and breathing during sleep as the possible problem, because then you can, first of all, start to feel great again, if you can rectify the problem and and then also save yourself from ending up with sleep apnea down the road. Okay, so let's let's take a go back to when you were talking about the download and, and this breathing exercise. Can you demonstrate via audio on, on what this what this would entail, or just a piece of it, just so the audience has an idea of of, of what you're you know when you're talking about the, this this breathing exercise? Sure. Yeah. So let me just step up, step back for a second, and and say why we have so many problems because that will explain why the breathing exercise works so much. So the reason that so many of us have so many problems is because these nighttime breathing problems really get their start during the day, right? If you think about it, if you're breathing for two thirds of the day in a less than optimal way, it's going to follow you into night because that's your your breathing pattern. But the reason it becomes more noticeable at night is because when you go to sleep, your muscles relax. And so that now um, what we call like the airway, any of the place where the air is getting in from your nose down into the lungs, if your airway is impacted in any way because of poor deep daytime breathing habits, when it relaxes at night, as it does when, when you're sleeping, your problem is going to be magnified. So let's just, um, let me tell you first that the number one thing that people are doing that creates problems, mouth breathing. Right. So first of all, right now, you and I are mouth breathing as we're talking. We right. all do it, right? Because we right. have to. It would be odd to try to take in a, a breath through our nose mm-hmm. when we're speaking because then we'd sound all halted and all strange. But as soon as we start mouth breathing, we throw off the ratio of the gases in the blood. If you can just look at your nostrils compared to the size of your nose. Uh, I'm sorry, compared to the size <laughs> of your mouth. <laughs> To see how much more air you can take in through your mouth than you can in through your nose. So once you start using your mouth for breathing, everything gets thrown off. You also end up getting inflammation when you mouth breathe because your nose does different things like filtering the air, warming the air, uh, cleaning the air, all things like that. But uh, and moist, uh, moisture, moistening the air, our mouth can't do that. So we end up with inflammation at the back of our throats. And so that if you have inflammation, that means the airway is now going to be smaller. And then when you go to sleep, muscles relax, you get that disrupted airflow. So the goal of the breathing exercise is to undo some of that that breathing, we call it over-breathing when you breathe through your mouth. So the, the breathing exercise is, I call lilo breathing. And the lilo stands for less in, less often. So if you spent your whole day over-breathing, then you want to set yourself up at night by taking less in, less often, so that it um, compensates for what was happening all day. And again, it's all described in there, but basically you're just taking in a smaller breath than you normally would. And then you are waiting an extra moment before you take in that smaller breath. So you take a little less in, and you do it a little less often. And by doing that, you get yourself into the right 
right nervous system mode, the rest are digest, and it also helps to rebalance the gases in the blood. There's a really odd thing also about mouth breathing is the body senses that the air is escaping, not, not coming into the nose. And so it says, whoa, whoa, something's going on. And it actually creates mucus in the nose to block up this loss, this perceived loss of air. And how do we, how does increased mucus in the nose affect us? It's a stuffy nose. And then you can't breathe through your nose. So you have to breathe through your mouth. So it's kind of like this catch 22. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of your um, listeners have to give presentations and they have to speak to people all day. So if they can get in the habit of, of, uh, countering that over breathing by doing this lilo breathing, they will feel um, a big difference. And especially if you do it right before you go to bed, you really set yourself up for a great night of sleep as well. So at night, we're taking less in, less often, but we're taking less in through our nose. And the exhale's coming out of our mouth, right? No, no. Oh, it's no. always nose. Yeah. So it's in, always nose. Okay. Yes. In yogic breathing, they often talk about inhalation through the nose and exhalation through the mouth. And my take on that is if you're a healthy breather and you are breathing optimally, then that's probably fine. But if you are over breathing, and a lot of it is just because of lifestyle for us, like I said, you're talking to people all day through your work. If you end up over breathing, then you don't want to use your mouth, you know, for breathing uh, any more than you absolutely have to. So in through the nose, out through the nose. Well, as a speaker, as we both are, and both members of the National Speakers Association, then we should take <laughs> at night all through the nose, nothing through the mouth, because so we make our living. As speakers, you're right. We do end up having to, we throw off our breathing all the time. We have to breathe through our mouths. And so I do have that same breathing exercise where I refer to it as the speaker reset. So any of your listeners, again, I'm sure many of them have to speak to clients all the time and they would want to do that too. Another thing, Peter, about the mouth breathing, sometimes we're just doing it by habit. We just keep our mouths open. So we want to catch that. But even if you're not, we have other times that we end up breathing through the mouth that really is not beneficial to us. And the biggest one is during exercise. You may have some of your listeners that get to the gym and they get on that treadmill or they get out for a run and you're going along, you start feeling a little winded. So your first thought is, let me breathe through my mouth. But it's actually the worst thing that you can do. Train yourself to exclusively nose breathe, even during exercise, because you will see a dramatic increase in your performance. I actually have a a dentist that I interviewed for my book. He's an airway dentist. I interviewed him for my book. And we were talking about breathing. He told me that he was a marathon, has been a marathon runner for 26 years. And for the first 16 years, he had no idea about the nasal breathing versus mouth breathing. And he would mouth breathe as he ran. Then he found out about it and shifted to exclusive nasal breathing. And he said his marathon times have come out better in all these 10 years since finding out than any before, even though he was a much younger guy then. So it really does make a difference. Somebody did tell me that because I I, I, I used to run and my knees gave, said no more, but I, I bike. And I, I when I bike, I, I, something hit me in the back of the head one day. I said, you need to breathe more through your nose than through your mouth. So every time I get on my bike, whether I'm doing 10, 20 miles, whatever, I try to 
try to focus on breathing only through my nose. And it's it's weird at first. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I'm, I'm about to throw myself over, over the handlebars or something. But after you get into the, the habit of it, it, it becomes much more natural, but it's strange, really right. strange at first. Right, right. But it's, it's great. I'm so glad to hear you say that because it's exactly it. And then some people say too, um, like it's, there's definitely an adjustment period and people will say, I can't, I'm not getting enough air, so I have to breathe through my mouth. And that is the short-term trade-off. In the beginning, when you are switching to nose breathing exclusively, you will have to pull back a little bit. Yeah. But then you'll see a dramatic increase in what you can do. Here's the reason why some makes sense to people. Um, you are, we, we often think of carbon dioxide in, in the body as a waste gas, right? It's just something we exhale when mm-hmm. we've, after we've breathed it in. But we actually know now that it isn't. Carbon dioxide serves a really uh, important feature. Think of it like a debit card. You know how if you go to a bank with, uh, and you have you know, $25,000 in there and, and you want to get something out. If you don't have your, you know, you go to the ADM machine, right? If you don't have your debit card, you can have all the money in the world in that bank, but you can't get it out because you need the card to allow you to do that transaction. Well, carbon dioxide is the same way. We have all this oxygen in the blood that we're taking in as we breathe. It is the carbon dioxide that allows the oxygen to be released into the muscles where we need it when we're exercising. So if we are breathing in through our mouths, we are getting less carbon dioxide buildup and we cannot release that oxygen into the muscles. So it's a real catch-22. You're Hmm. breathing into the mouth because you feel like you need more, but it's actually not allowing you to access what you're taking in. So again, it's a, it's a tough transition period at first, and you'll need to pull back and maybe run a little slower or bike a little slower just to stay at the point where you can exclusively breathe through the nose, but then you will adjust and you will feel the increased benefit. So I definitely recommend it. Oh my God, I've got some work to do on my end. Uh, and as we begin, begin to wrap up, uh, you mentioned something and you kind of just let it out there, but you didn't, you've got a book coming out. You said you interviewed this dentist for your book. So tell us about your book and when you expect it to be out. Sure. Yeah. My book is called, Is Your Sleep Making You Tired? And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it, it does get people laughing, but it's like we said before, people don't think of sleep as the problem because we're like, well, you know, sleep hygiene is good. Check that off. And what it really does is walk you through all the things that may be impacting your sleep from the angle of nighttime breathing problems. Because believe it or not, I don't think we mentioned this, 50% of men and 25% of women are affected by nighttime breathing problems. And of course, if you happen to be a woman who's sleeping next to a man who's affected, well, then you have a nighttime breathing problem by location. So a lot of people (laughs) are not getting the sleep that they need. So my book is meant to really help get this um, on, uh, on people's radars, to get them to really change their mindset, say, hey, Maybe this isn't just lifestyle. Maybe there's a problem here that I can actually fix and really feel the way that I want to have the health and wellness that I'm hoping to have at this point. So, um, and then I, you know, I have a quiz in there. I have a quiz on my website too, actually, if yes. people want to look at that. Um, and then I also have treatment plans because you'll come out in different places on that nighttime breathing problem scale. And so I have different treatment plans according to where you might come out. And that's really the um, the book. And it's it's 
I'm scheduled for April. Uh, sorry, spring of 2020. <laughs> okay, so spring of 2020, her, her her book will hopefully be out and be available on, on Amazon. Correct. I'm, I'm assuming. And uh, if you can send me some information when it does come out, I'll make sure to create it. We'll create a, a, a little uh, commercial to help promote it because I think it's something that I'm going to pick up. I'm going to read. I think it's something everybody should read. And before we let, let you go, give everybody the, the website again and how they can contact you. Sure. It's um, O2Tara.org. And on all social media, I am O2Tara Clancy. Great. So go visit her website. I, I've been to her website. I, I'm going back uh, and, and downloading the breathing tips and, and how to do that nighttime breathing because I, I wasn't kidding. I didn't get into late last night and this morning and I am pretty tired. It's ironic that you know I get there as my guest today, but she's opened my eyes and I hope she's opened all of your eyes. And, and thank you very much, Tara, for taking time out of your schedule. I look forward to our past crossing hopefully very soon. Me too. Thank you so much, Peter. I hope you enjoyed Tara's interview and that you visit her website and learn more about nighttime sleeping issues. This is a very important issue to explore and I plan on having Tara back on my podcast once her book comes out. Thank you for listening and if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Make today your best day. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.